the memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red flood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, the winner. It won't be this time. The Stories. Prukop to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans from CU at the Game. My name is Stuart Whitehair, editor and publisher for the CU at the Game website, and I'd like to welcome you to the premiere episode of the CU at the Game podcast. For those of you who have not yet had the pleasure of meeting in person, a brief introduction. I attended the University of Colorado in the 1980s, receiving both on my undergraduate and law degrees from CU. In 1987, I returned to my hometown of Bozeman, Montana to open my law practice. I have now put in 40 years as a CU fan, commuting some 700 miles for home games for the past 33 seasons. The CU at the Game website has been going strong for the past decade or so, and I thought I would ease into the world of podcasting this spring. I had interviews lined up with CU Athletic Director Rick George, Associate Athletic Director Lance Carl, Running Backs Coach Darian Hagen, and Buffs for Life Director and former CU Linebacker Sean Tufts. We preview spring football and talk about the optimism which was in great supply around the Champion Center after the first year under Mel Tucker. Well, the unexpected departure of Mel Tucker and the equally unexpected upheaval caused by the coronavirus outbreak drastically altered my best laid plans. With the premiere episode of the See You at the Game podcast, I got together with my BFF for the most of the past 40 years, Brad Geiger, so we could talk about the abrupt end of the Mel Tucker era at Colorado and the hiring of his replacement, Carl Durrell. In my second and third episodes, I will have for you my interviews with CUF Lake Director Rick George and with Buffs for Life Executive Director Sean Tufts. After that, who knows? Hopefully, the world will be able to return to some semblance of normalcy, and we will again be able to move on to topics which a few months ago seemed crucial, such as who will be the starting quarterback for the Buffs in the 2020 season. I very much appreciate your support of See You at the Game and its website, and I look forward to your comments and suggestions as we experiment with, modify, and hopefully continue to improve on this new endeavor, the See You at the Game podcast. Who said that February 2020 was going to be dull? The month started off well for CU when on Wednesday, February 5th, three signees, running backs Ashad Clayton and Jay Lee Stacks, along with defensive back William Anglin, were added to the CU recruiting class of 2020. Then, on Friday, February 7th, the Buff Nation was rocked by a Detroit Free Press article indicating that CU head coach Mel Tucker was a primary target for the open Michigan State position. On February 8th, Mel Tucker issued a statement, quoting now, while I'm flattered to be considered for the head coaching job at MSU football, I'm committed to CU, the build of our great program, its athletes, coaches, and supporters, end quote. Three days later, of course, on February 11th, 
Mel Tucker was gone. With the news breaking as Tucker was finishing up a round of Denver radio interviews, stressing his commitment, and after a fundraiser that very night. Less than two weeks later, on February 24th, former UCLA head coach Carl Durrell was introduced as CU's 27th full-time head coach. Joining me now to try and make some sense of this CU football program after a very busy month is my best man and best friend, Brad Geiger. Welcome, Brad. Hello, Stuart. Thank you so much. Please introduce yourself to anyone out there who has not yet met you at an away game, a tailgate, or up in Section 218 of Folsom Field. Well, let's see. I am a CU football fan since I arrived on campus in 1981. I've been a friend of Stuart since early 1982. I have been through the highs and the lows. I am, uh, I am the guy that other people point to as at least I'm not that fan. Um, and I, uh, have followed it and followed see you at the game before there was a see you at the game. So here we go. There we go. Well, before we talk about the new head coach at the University of Colorado, uh, I believe you wanted to talk a little bit about the 26th full-time head coach at the University of Colorado, our dear departed Mel Tucker. What was your reaction to the events of the past month? Well, I don't think I'm unusual in that I felt, you know, to call it personal betrayal is, of course, to overstate what football should mean to us. But it is a the reflection on all of college football. We've all heard Mel speak persuasively and brilliantly about the value of the team as family. And we're all in this together. And this was just another reminder that that doesn't ever apply on a personal level to the head coach. And we've been through this with Rick Neuheisel, and bluntly, we've probably done it to other teams. But the continuing hypocrisy is the only real word for it has to frustrate. And it is part of the game, and it is part of a system that we all acknowledge is not fair, but it is what it is. I think Mel Tucker at some point will probably regret the day before getting up and telling CU fans how dedicated he was while he was literally negotiating his contract with Michigan State. There are levels of hypocrisy, and that one kicks up to about a 99 out of 100. But other than that, I'm fine with it. Yeah, it was a gut punch. I I was a total believer. I was totally sold. He was very personable. And he seemed to be bleeding black and gold. He started a podcast where he's doing interviews with the likes of, you know, Gary Barnett, Alfred Williams. About, uh, Eric Bieniemy was his last podcast, ironically enough, you know, talking about the Super Bowl and how great it was to uh, be a former buff and now be a Super Bowl champion with the Kansas City Chiefs. So he seemed to be doing everything you're supposed to do. He was at Rockies games, he was at Nuggets games, he was at CU basketball games, he was really the face of CU football, and we all went along for the ride, and it was uh, a real surprise. I did my interview with Rick George three days before the Detroit Free Press story came out, and we were talking about the standing committee, playoff committee that he's a member of, and the talk about name, image, and likeness, and everything was good in the world of CU football, so we could talk about other things. Just totally out of left field, that not only that 
he would be a candidate. I think we accepted that we had kind of a deal with the devil there, that coming from the SEC and being successful at Georgia, that if Mel Tucker went five and seven, then eight and five, and then 10 and four, that he might be gone and might go to an Arkansas or South Carolina or a Mississippi or something like that to make millions at the SEC. But at that point, we'd have a 10 and four team and be very attractive to other coaches. So we were willing to make that deal with the devil to, uh, you know, to get back in the successful realm of things. And he's gone after a five and seven season and doubled his salary. So good for the Mel Tucker family and good for Mel Tucker's agent, but wasn't so good for the University of Colorado. Well, and of course, the weird timing of it. You thought you get to January, you think you're okay. The number of coaches who resign in February are relatively small. So you think you're going to be okay. Then you get the gut punch that he's thinking about it. Then he says and tells everybody who will listen, including people he stopped on the street, that he's going to stay here while negotiating the increase in contract. It is a special level of unexpected betrayal in this situation. Yeah. And we'll see uh, the most successful coach in Colorado history hit uh, Boulder in June of 1982 after the deer departed Chuck Fairbanks left uh, the University of Colorado, not only after recruiting signing day, but after spring practices to go be the coach of the New Jersey Generals. And Bill McCartney worked out okay. So hopefully that's a an omen of a positive note that having a coach take over at a, a, a unique period in the, in the college football calendar will work out well for the University of Colorado. So, well, and go ahead. certainly there's an advantage that he has months to prepare for recruiting and months to get ready for the season that a coach hired in the middle of the summer would not. So there are advantages. So what was your first impression when you heard that Carl Durrell was not only a candidate, but a front runner for the position of head coach at the University of Colorado? Well, he had clearly not been in the top tier or the first people we were looking at. And we were all following the whispers and all trying to figure out what was going on. And, of course, Rick George and Lance Carl were being Rick and Lance. They weren't telling us anything. So Carl's name, although familiar, was not the one we expected to show up. And I had to go back and look at what his history was and where it was, which means he wasn't at the top of anybody's list. But once you look at that, it begins to make sense. You can certainly see why Rick and Lance looked at it. Well, I mean, he certainly wasn't on the radar. That's, uh, that is a fair statement. And yes, the Steve Sarkeesians, Eric Bienemies of the world would have certainly been more of a splash hire for the University of Colorado, but perhaps not a better fit. Eric Bienemies certainly was a surprise actually that he didn't get an NFL head coaching job this offseason, and he certainly would be in line to be an NFL head coach after this following year. And in the Mel Tucker podcast, he talked about being an NFL head coach as being the pinnacle of a coaching career. So for Eric Bieniemy to step back and go back to the college ranks, I, I know to me it never made a whole lot of sense. I mean, it would have been an interesting hire, would have been um, a more popular hire probably with the national media but I'm not sure it would have been a better fit. 
And Sarkeesian, I mean, if, if Mel Tucker would have left in one year, if Sarkeesian had beaten you know, Washington in October, he might have left midseason. Mm. So it would have been perhaps something where we asked for a $40 million buyout or something like that over a four-year period, $10 million for the first four years of his contract. And Sarkeesian, knowing that he didn't want to stay in Colorado for four years, balked at it and threw his name from consideration. We'll probably never know. No, and and, and maybe we shouldn't. There's some reason for keeping those negotiations secret. But as it went on, with the exception of the enemy, who you know has CU ties, but you and I were both real clear from the start that just didn't make sense for him. Sarkeesian didn't was not free of baggage himself, and clearly would have only looked at the CU fans to be looking over their shoulder. So I wasn't thrilled with either one of those thoughts. Durrell again wasn't where I thought they would end up in part because the rumor mill didn't have him and more concerning because he hasn't been in college football for a while. He's, and he doesn't have the rep in the pro game that Eric Bieniemy has right now. Correct. None of that of course means that he can't be a very good coach at CU. Predictably the national media has not been super enamored with the hire and those of us that get the Athlons, the Lindys, the Sporting News, the Street and Smiths, all the preseason magazines, just be forewarned that it's going to be like this until CU starts winning games under Carl Durrell. It's not going to be a pick that people are going to be excited about. I wanted to get your comment on a couple of national pundits that have already weighed in, just to read a couple of Stuart Mandel, national writer, he works for The Athletic, his quote, I've seen some strange slash questionable hires in my day, Kansas with Charlie Weiss, Nebraska, Mike Riley, heck, I'll throw in Colorado State and Steve Adazio in there, but this one may take the cake. Not because Durrell was necessarily an awful coach at UCLA, mediocre is the more accurate word, but because it was just so long ago. Current recruits were in preschool the last time Durrell was a college head coach in 2007. John Wilner at the San Jose Mercury News, who covers the Pac-12 probably as well, if not better than anybody, was also not very favorable in his looking at Carl Durrell. He said, the Carl Durrell hire has generated more shrugs than sizzle with many Colorado fans and in the media, and it's difficult to envision an instant bump in season ticket sales. And the hotline's reaction, frankly, is essentially the same. Darrell, a Miami Dolphins assistant, wouldn't have been on our list of 20 potential candidates to replace Mel Tucker. And if you suggested his name for the 21st spot, we would have assumed that it was in jest. Darrell was an undistinguished head coach in his only previous tenure, which ended during the second Bush presidency. He spent the past 13 years in the NFL was never mentioned as a candidate for head coaching jobs at the pro or college level, not a hot name or a warm name or even a room temperature name. Is Carl Durrell the best Colorado could do? So not not exactly rave reviews for CU's new head coach. How would you as a Buff fan that's going to live and die with Carl Durrell for the next couple of years respond to these national writers? Wilner 
knows a lot about Pac-12 football. And his facts are not incorrect. That said, there is a value to have spent time in the wilderness. Not everybody succeeds the first time. People learn from what they did. Miami was a NFL team that was literally left for dead, not just by the NFL, but by the owner of the Miami Dolphins. And Durrell, who was promoted to assistant head coach 12 seconds before he was hired at CU, was a big part of making a team successful with less talent. Maybe that is the prescription for winning at CU. I think, yeah, I wish, I guess for recruiting particularly, that we had more sizzle. But at this point, isn't there a value to solid? Isn't there some value to knowing or at least having reasonable expectations that for the next four years, the guy at the top is going to know what is going on, is going to direct a staff, is going to be able to tell young men, this is how we're going to do it, and this is what we're going to expect. I perhaps wish he was more personable. I perhaps wish that he was better known. But the bottom line was always going to be, you got to win or it ain't going to work. And Mel Tucker's shtick was going to work only if he continued to win games. Carl Durrell's more quiet process will only work if he wins games. I'm not altogether sure that Sizzle wins you games. Yeah, I think I would agree with all of that. I think that I wasn't particularly taken with him in his first press conference simply because we'd heard Mel Tucker speak so often and bought into the rah-rah stuff. He was certainly more thoughtful, certainly more analytical, but he's also been getting rave reviews from those that know him, you know, those that have coached with him, those that played for him, things along those lines that are going to be important, like you say, factors coming down the road going forward that if he can recruit, if he has a staff that can recruit, and again, head coach is the closer. You need a lot. You've got 10 assistant coaches out there trying to sell the program, and the head coach is the closer. And if you can get the the warm bodies here, and certainly Mel Tucker could do that, certainly did that a lot better than Mike McIntyre did. I think that's one of the real concerns going forward is that being out of the college game for this many years can he recruit? He says it was like riding a bicycle that he'll just jump right back on. It'll be fine. And certainly that's going to be something that CU fans are going to be wringing their hands about over the spring and the summer and into the fall as we get ready for next December signing day. Can Carl Durrell and his new staff recruit at the level that we were seeing from Mel Tucker and his staff? One comment that he made, and I don't think it was intended to be, a negative comment, but it struck me as interesting. He was talking with one of the radio programs, one of the radio interviews, and they talked about, can you win at the Pac-12 level? Do you have the talent on the roster to win at the Pac-12 level? I remember distinctly last year that Bell Tucker says, yes, I could win with the players in this room. It was very, again, rah-rah, very, yes, we're going to go out there and start slapping some people around and start knocking some heads and we're going to win football games. Whereas Carl Durrell said, actually, no, we don't, we can't compete at the highest levels right now. We're going to have to work towards that. Is that something that you would be concerned about if you're talking about the locker room that 
you've got a head coach come in basically saying we're going to have to recruit over you in order to be successful in the Pac-12. Is that the right tack to take? Is it being honest or is it being too negative? I am of the opinion that nowadays 18, 19, 20-year-old men in the locker room are aware of all of that stuff. Mel Tucker or can say all he wants about we're going to win with the people in this room. Those guys are aware what their star rating is. Every one of them knows it. Every one of them knows what's said on Twitter about them. Nowadays, the guys who are driven, the guys who succeed, who were not five-star athletes, are the guys who come in to prove you wrong. And if Carl can turn that statement into, well, then prove to me that you can, and honestly get players to buy in that he's going to make them prove themselves, I don't think it's a negative statement. I'm just kind of envisioning that this is kind of the chip on their shoulder tour. That And maybe there'll be some Drew Litton cartoon with the actually put chip on their shoulder. Uh, <laughs> but the players basically were told by Mel Tucker, this, that, and the other thing, made all these promises, and then he just walked right out the door on them literally days after he promised that he wasn't leaving. And there's, I think, yeah, that's one of the reasons getting back to Mel Tucker just for a second, that it leaves such a bad taste in people's mouths. I mean, he could have gone quiet and said, I'm flattered for the opportunity. Um, we always have to explore other options. Could have just canceled his Denver radio appearances, not gone to fundraisers. If that was the direction he was thinking about going, there's certainly much ways ways that he could have certainly handled it much better than he did. But I think that if these players are like, okay, and for some of these, a good portion of the the roster, this will be their third head coach in three seasons, and you got to have the kind of a abandoned dog feel here that nobody wants me type of Mm -hmm. thing. And hopefully that is something that they can use as motivation and let's go out and prove them wrong kind of thing. And hopefully Carl Durrell will have that same sort of motivation to show the naysayers that they really don't know what they're talking about. And I did get uh, one email from a see you at the gamer that I I appreciate. And I'm sorry, I don't have his name in front of me, but uh, he he said to you know look at it like uh, that line from Hoosiers when they first introduced the team at the pep assembly and the crowd starts chanting for Jimmy Chitwood and <laughs> Gene Hackman goes to the microphone and says this is your team. I would hope that you'd support us for what we are, not for what we are not. And that might not be a direct quote, but certainly yeah. words words to that effect. And that. Buff Nation is where we're at. We don't necessarily have Jimmy Chitwood, and we have Gene Hackman as our coach that is a washed-up, has-been-and-nobody's-heard-of type of thing that Carl Durrell certainly doesn't fit into that direct line, but you know the same idea that he has to win over the population because they don't believe that he is a head coach that can win at their, you know, at their institution, at their school. This is our roster. We are University of Colorado fans, those of you that are listening, you're listening to a CU podcast in six months before CU's first game. So you're obviously dedicated fans like Brad and myself, and we're going to be behind Carl Durrell until he gives us reason not to. And 
I think that kind of has to be the bottom line for this is that maybe it's not the ideal situation and maybe we'll look back on this three years from now and say, wow, what a lucky break that we were able to get Carl Durrell at the time and place that we got him and that he is the answer that we've been waiting for for the last 15 years. Go ahead. That, I mean, that's where, that's where we end up. That's always sadly where we're going to end up um, until we reestablish this program as the top. You know, I'm old enough to remember literally talking to you when Rick Neuheisel was chosen over Bob Simmons. Yeah. And saying, oh, we got the sizzle. It was the brave pick. We got some wins out of that pick. We also got our teeth kicked in when he took one more dollar to go someplace else. We will endure because that's what you do as a fan. We will hopefully enjoy. I'm as concerned about who our quarterback's going to be as who our coach is. Um, and that was never going to be an easy solution. Correct. So it will be at least an interesting offseason. Yes. And we will be back again and we will chat about the roster and who's going to play safety and how well the defensive line is going to be shored up. And yes, who's going to replace LaVisca Chenault as the star wide receiver. There will be plenty of actual football to talk about in days to come. But for now, it's the end of the short one year, 14 month Mel Tucker era. And we are now here to usher in the Carl Durrell era. And we'll hope, along with the rest of the Buff Nation, that it's going to be a positive one. Keep in mind the date, September 25th, 2021, when Michigan State plays Nebraska, and we have to figure out who to root against. I will struggle with that. do not know how that would play out in my head, because... Normally, I worry more about the teams we have coming up. So, you know, we still have a home and home with Nebraska in 2023 and 2024. So, you know, unless we're playing in uh, the Holiday Bowl or the Rose Bowl, we're not going to be playing Michigan State in a bowl game in the foreseeable future. So it's hard to root for Nebraska under any circumstances. So <laughs> it, it will be uh It'll be interesting to see how that actually plays out, but uh, definitely pretty much any other game that Michigan State's going to be playing, it's going to be very difficult to uh, to cheer for them, unfortunately, because of what we had, what was promised to us, and what we received from yep. Tucker. Thank you, Brad. We will talk again soon. Thank you for being a part of the first See You at the Game podcast. The See You at the Game website has undergone a number of changes over the years, changes and upgrades often suggested by you, the readers. I hope the same will prove true with the podcast. If you have comments, suggestions for future podcasts, or questions about CU football or the podcast itself that you'd like to have answered, just drop me an email at seeyouatthegame at gmail.com. Or you could post a comment on the website where links to this and future podcasts will be posted. Go Buffs! Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to cuatthegame at gmail.com.
If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time, when we will again see you at the game.